Today, on the flagship show, on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. We're listening to trailer music. More specifically, trailer music written by the film's composer. On the program, you're going to hear custom pieces of music written for such films as The Passion of the Christ, Rambo, First Blood Part Two, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Ori and the Blind Forest, The Adventures of Don Juan, Hoffa, Titanic, and many more. So pop some popcorn, grab a cold beverage, sit back in your favorite chair, turn down the lights, and turn up the volume as the previews on the flagship show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network begin now. Since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. This is the flagship show 
on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. My name is Eric Woods, and I'm your host. Wherever you're listening to the show today, I do ask you to take the time to rate and review the show. It doesn't matter what podcatcher you're on. Uh, ratings and reviews really help get the show noticed, helps potential new listeners get an idea of what the show is also about. Also, we have uh, a merch store at T Public. Just search for Cinematic Sound Radio there. And on top of that, we have a Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash cinematic sound radio. Uh, we're having a lot of fun um, over on the Patreon page and in the Patreon exclusive Discord server. We are uh, uh, planning a live show at uh, some point. Um, there's going to be an all request show coming out in a few weeks. And the only way you can make a request for this program is by becoming a patron of the program. So again, patreon.com slash cinematic sound radio, pick a tier that you like, and we really do appreciate any of the support that we get from you. So we have a really fun show set up for you today. Today we're going to play for you trailer music. And, and no, I'm not talking about that generic stuff that you're hearing in films these days. No, we're going to talk about and listen to trailer music composed by the composer of the film that they were hired to write the music to. Uh, I think this is going to be a really fun show, folks. And I, and while I was compiling the cues for today's program, I did a bit of snooping around the internet, reading about the history of the movie trailer and its evolution throughout the years. The best resource I found was a lengthy article or essay by journalist Matthew Shemkowitz for hopesandfears.com. I'll link the article in the show notes. Matthew, or, or Matt, as he is known on his website, is a senior editor of Know Your Meme, the world's largest meme and internet culture wiki. He's also a copywriter and has contributed arts and culture pieces for Vice, IndieWire, uh, Splitsider, and since my knowledge concerning the history of the movie trailer is extremely limited, the info I'm going to provide for you right now about the history of the movie trailer comes from Matt's article. And I did contact Matt, and he kindly uh, gave us permission to read excerpts from his essay here on the program. So briefly, and I hope this is brief... The trailer. Well, originally it was featured at the end of the film or serial, which would entice viewers to come back next week to see the thrilling conclusion of the next episode or to advertise upcoming releases or to be used as plain outright advertising for whatever, such as Broadway musicals. Now, Niles Grunlin was the inventor of the trailer, but it was a big corporation, the National Screen Service, also known as NSS, that took over the producing of trailers in 1919 and would have a monopoly on the production of movie trailers for the next 40 years. The early silent era trailers were big on large techs and death-defying stunts to sell their films. In the beginning of the sound era, trailers 
like today, were cookie cutter productions. The NSS template looked sort of like this. It had typography and text, expressions that take cues from the silent era. For instance, you know, you, you've never seen anything like it. And sensational, marvelous, a romance for the ages. And you'd have narration to clear up some of the murky complexities of the plot. Really over-the-top music to showcase the intrigue, danger, romance, and timeless good feelings of the film. And a montage, quick clips, and sharp one-liners to help draw out the characters. Casablanca, city of hope and despair, located in French Morocco in North Africa. The meeting place of adventurers, fugitives, criminals, refugees, lured into this danger-swept oasis by the hope of escape to the Americas. But they're all trapped, for there is no escape. Against this fascinating background is woven the story of an imperishable love and the enthralling saga of six desperate people, each in Casablanca, to keep an appointment with destiny. I was willing to shoot Captain Rhino, and I'm willing to shoot you. All right, Major, you asked for it. In the 1950s, the movie business was on a decline, and the NSS lost its monopoly on the production of trailers. This opens the floodgates for true artists to craft mesmerizing, original, and memorable advertisements to put bums in the seats. Alfred Hitchcock was one of those artists who would at times be in the trailer itself, and as he did with Psycho, he would take you on a lengthy tour of the set and perfectly tease you about the movie. Good afternoon. Here we have a quiet little motel tucked away off the main highway and as you see, perfectly harmless looking when in fact, it has now become known as the scene of the crime. This motel also has, as an adjunct, an old house, which is, if I may say so, a little more sinister looking, less innocent than the motel itself. And in this house, the most dire, horrible events took place. And then, of course, you had Stanley Kubrick, who, in his own unique way, it did away with the rules and put together a mash of text, images, and unrelated dialogue for his trailer to Dr. Strangelove, to confusing yet brilliant effect. Attack! Russia. Base. Tin 
females to each male. The Coca-Cola machine. Fluids. The Doomsday Machine. The 60s offered more and more experimentation and avant-garde sensibilities, and that was felt in the film industry and in the advertisement of films as well. Almost all tradition was tossed out the window as the trailer became subversive and at times self-aware. Dr. Strangelove. Or how I learned to stop worrying and... Love the bomb. A moving <laughs> picture. In the 1970s, blockbusters were all the rage. Some of the highest grossing films of all time came out in this era. The Godfather, Jaws, The Exorcist, Star Wars, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Superman, the list goes on. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic, it lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. <laughs> In order to make sure the studio brought home the big bucks for their big expensive films, the trailers had to be just as big and exciting. The use of music, sound, and visuals evolved, where trailers were becoming their own art form, and at times, a way to completely convey the main narrative of the story without giving away the ending. Matthew writes in his essay, and I quote, the Jaws trailer is very close to what most movie trailers would become. Three-minute mini-movies that show the audience exactly what they're getting into. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Jaws. See it before you go swimming. Now, this wasn't the norm for all films, as Alien and Sorcerer showed the world three minutes of music and montage that were largely dialogue-free, end quote. In the 80s, the trademark movie voice began showing up, reciting words like in a world, in a city, in a time, or coming to a theater near you. And that sort of trailer voice was spoofed brilliantly in Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians trailer, featuring legendary voice artist Hal Douglas. Whoa, feedback. 
<clears throat> All right, let's try this. This is the voiceover for a comedian <clears throat> movie trailer. Take one. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. Oh? Okay. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... Uh, I don't think so. In a land before time. It's about a comedian, Jack. Other legendary names popped up during this time, like Don LaFontaine, Mark Elliott, and John Leader. He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis, Die Hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Into the 90s and over the next few decades, the movie trailer would get bigger and bigger and show you more and more of not only the plot, but if it was a big effects picture, what those effects would look like. The surprise was almost all gone. Hasta la vista, baby. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. I swear I will not kill anyone. When trailers began streaming on the internet, they became some of the most popular forms of entertainment on the web. Soon, each and every trailer would have a cookie-cutter approach, including the music used in the soundtrack. The trailer to Inception, for example, produced arguably one of the most influential trailer tropes of all time. But that credit actually goes to Zach Hemsky, whose track Mind Heist was used in the trailer and introduced us to one of the most annoying cliches in modern-day trailers. They have now become extremely predictable and mostly extremely boring. The music of trailers has also evolved over the years from specifically composed pieces of music by the film's composer to track music from other films to songs, melancholic covers of songs, to production music, and back to music written specifically for a film by freelance composers or Hollywood trailer music composers, like John Beale, who began to score trailers in the 1970s and in the course of a 30-year career, created original music for over 2,000 movie trailer projects. Trailer music production is big business nowadays, with dozens upon dozens of production houses dedicated to the creation of the custom trailer music you hear today. But let's go back to the film's composer writing the trailer music. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it can be something truly special and a way for moviegoers to get a sneak peek not only at the film, but they will sometimes get a sneak peek at the music and themes written specifically for the film. Today's program is dedicated to those pieces. Trailer music, written by the film's composer. Going through my collection, I found 36 tracks. There could be more, but out of those 36 tracks, I'm only going to play for you 20. That's due to time, but I'll save the rest for another day.
So we opened the program with Howard Shore's trailer music for the 2003 Academy Award-winning film Return of the King. That film would garner Shore two more Oscars himself for best score and song. That particular piece of trailer music was released on the Lord of the Rings, the Rarities Archive, packaged with Doug Adams' book, The Music of the Lord of the Rings. For our first suite today, I'll feature two pieces by composer John Debney. Within three years of each other, Debney would compose two of his very best scores. One for the video game Lair in 2007, and the other for The Passion of the Christ in 2004. This suite opens with Debney's thrilling trailer music for the game Lair, which was recorded at Abbey Road Studios in London with a 90-piece orchestra and was co-composed by the extremely talented yet criminally underused composer Kevin Casca. The entire score was recorded in just two days with a plethora of themes that paid homage to such composers as Basil Polidorus, Jerry Goldsmith, and John Williams. Now having said that, the trailer for the game didn't use any of the thematic material Debney wrote. Instead, Debney gave the producers a heavy percussive, more modern, industrial-styled trailer to be used for the E3 conference. Even though the trailer sounds nothing like what would eventually be used in the score, the only element common to both is the voice of Elizabeth Scott, who Debney collaborated successfully on The Passion of the Christ three years earlier and would use in Lair. Now, for The Passion of the Christ, Debney garnered numerous accolades. Debney wrote three separate trailer pieces, teaser trailer, a promotional trailer, and the traditional trailer. For the two-minute trailer, Debney utilized the talents of Elizabeth Scott with electric cello and vocals leading Debney's instantly recognizable crucifixion theme against a plethora of pounding drums. Here now, the trailer music from Lair and the Passion of the Christ by John Debney.
This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, and you're listening to the flagship show with Eric Woods. That was Jerry Goldsmith's classic trailer music from Judge Dredd. It was the original recording that was finally released for the very first time on Intrader Records' 2015 expanded release of Alan Silvestri's score. Goldsmith was originally supposed to score the film but couldn't do it because of a scheduling conflict, but he was able to write a piece of original trailer music for the trailer that came out four months before the film's release. Welcome back to Cinematic Sound Radio. This is the flagship show. My name is Eric Woods, and on today's program, we're listening to trailer music composed by the film's composer. We're going to stick with Jerry Goldsmith for the next two pieces. The first was written for a special Rambo trailer that was released in the summer of 1984. While the production of the second film was underway, a special trailer was released featuring images of Sylvester Stallone getting ready for battle, backlit helicopters, and tons of explosions, and when Rambo is finally revealed on screen, Jerry Goldsmith gives us a bold, punchy statement of his own Rambo theme. Pretty cool. The next piece is a piece of unused trailer music for the film Extreme Prejudice. After hearing the piece that Jerry Goldsmith wrote, the executives at TriStar decided to cut their own trailer using other music. Goldsmith's piece essentially sounds exactly the way the score proper does. Heavy electronics, a modern beat with orchestra. The piece contains music from a couple of the film's action sequences and utilized Goldsmith's main theme for the film. I've always loved this piece, and the score is definitely a curiosity. The underlying rhythms are extremely catchy. Here now, music from Rambo, First Blood Part 2, the 1984 summer trailer, and the trailer from Extreme Prejudice, music by Jerry Goldsmith.
enjoy best music for film, TV and video games, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Johnny Williams' trailer music from one of his very first dramatic films, None But the Brave, from 1965. Welcome back to Cinematic Sound Radio. This is the flagship show. On today's program, it's trailer music composed by the film's composer. Now, before we continue, I know that there is one piece you're all going to tell me about that I'm going to miss in this suite of John Williams' trailer music, and that's the trailer music he wrote for Hook. I, I Look, I didn't miss it. I just wanted to focus on some other pieces that really haven't received a lot of airtime. So please forgive me. So this John Williams suite of trailer music starts with the Latin style trailer music from the 1962 film Bachelor Flat, utilizing the theme heard in the score's finest cue, Mambone. The second cue comes from the Steven Spielberg comedy spectacular 1941, released in 1979. Williams wrote one of his finest marches for the film and composed an upbeat militaristic piece for this trailer. The trailer was actually directed by John Milius, who was supposed to direct the film, but passed when he decided to direct Big Wednesday. However, he was still a producer in 1941 and put together this trailer while the film was still in production. Now, almost immediately after scoring Superman, John Williams was hired to write an original piece for this trailer. Now, None of the thematic material Williams would eventually come up with would make it into the trailer, but the feel and tone of the trailer matches the zaniness of the score Williams would eventually come up with. Of an interesting note here, this is the only time John Williams would score a trailer well into advance of the original scoring sessions. The last piece in this suite is John Williams' trailer music to Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. The first teaser trailer of the film came out during the Super Bowl, and this would be the first time we would hear any of John Williams' thematic material from the score. Now, the theatrical trailer would feature more original music, this time a more fleshed-out version of Williams' Nimbus material that would eventually become the final portions of his now-famous Hedwig's theme. Here now, trailer music composed by John Williams from Bachelor Flat, 1941, and Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Thank you. 
Now, before we leave John Williams, I wanted to focus on what I think is the single greatest piece of trailer music ever composed. It's called the 1960s, The Turbulent Years, from the 1995 film Nixon, directed by Oliver Stone. This is the opening piece on the soundtrack album and was composed specifically for the lengthy four-and-a-half-minute extended trailer for the film, which is essentially a mini-movie in itself. Now, there isn't much information out there about the creation and genesis of this piece, but this could almost be considered a, a traditional overture for the picture if there was no trailer to score. Here, John Williams summarizes many of the thematic elements that he would use in the film, and much of the score's structure and tone is set up in this piece as well. You can easily visualize Nixon's humble and impoverished upbringing to his ambitious rise to power and his bitter fall from grace, all from John Williams's vivid four-and-a-half-minute piece, again called The 1960s, The Turbulent Years.
From Kitchener, Ontario, Canada, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. And you're listening to the flagship show with Eric Woods. music from Sin City, and that piece of trailer music was written by the game's composer, Chris Tilden. Now, if you haven't heard Sim City, check it out. It's a great score by Chris Tilden. I, I, I again, I just, I think he's an incredible talent. I wish he would write more music. So, since we played Sin City, that means we're going to get into video game music during this suite, including a selection from the 2001 game Myst 3, Exile. The score was composed by Jack Wall, and he was a huge fan of the game series uh, when it first came out, and is actually the first game that he ever played, so it was an honor for him to work on the third game for the series. Now, this series was actually Wall's big break into the industry. The score for Miss 3 was nominated for an Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences Award for Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Composition. Wall has since gone on to score Splinter Cell, Call of Duty, and then he'd branch off into the world of Bioware with Jade Empire and Mass Effect. And now he's one of the industry's leading composers He's also one of the producers of Video Games Live and served as conductor of the international tour. Before Myst 3's launch, Wall wrote this piece of music for the E3 demo. The score essentially offers familiar sounds mixed with new sounds from unique instruments, both wind and percussive. The next piece comes from 2015, and back then... Composer Gareth Coker offered us his brilliant score to Ori and the Blind Forest, one of my all-time favorite video game scores. He also wrote music for the sequel released last year, which is uh, equally wonderful. This game might be one of the most visually pleasing video games I've ever seen, and uh, since then, I've actually played the game. It's simply wonderful. Um, I remember seeing the trailer and being absolutely gobsmacked by its beauty. And, and the gorgeous score for the game, I mean, Gareth Coker at the time was a relative newcomer. And even though the, the trailer visually impressed me, the score that I heard in the trailer was fantastic. It was the perfect teaser and the perfect piece of music uh, that would demonstrate how the score would sound 
and it introduced to us right away Ori's beautiful, haunting main theme, featuring the vocal talents of Ariely Brighton, who is no stranger to video games or the soundtrack world. Here, her hypnotizing vocal gives the game in this piece its soul, and it's great to hear a full version of that main theme in the trailer. It really did make me hungry for more. The last piece in this suite comes from Chad Sider's Recore. This score was recorded in London with a full choir too, along with guitars, drums, cool analog synths. It's a pretty massive score. And the reason why it sounds so huge is that it's brilliantly recorded by Satoshi Noguchi, who's the recording engineer for Tron Legacy, and uh, he records Joe Trapanese's score. This score for Record just sounds absolutely massive. Chad Sider said that this was the most exciting projects he has ever worked on, and the trailer music gives you a perfect glimpse of what the rest of the score will sound like. It has extremely powerful orchestrations with heavy rock percussion, and this is one of those great orchestral rock hybrid scores. So if you like stuff like The Scorpion King or Call the Conqueror, you'll really like this score. And again, the trailer gives you a perfect glimpse into how the rest of the score sounds. So here now, music from Mist 3 by Jack Wall, Ori in the Blind Forest by Gareth Coker, and Rikor by Chad Sider.
Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. I'm Eric Woods, and I'm your host. I really hope you're enjoying today's show. If you do enjoy the program and you're willing to, then we would love it if you could rate and review the program. Also, if you would like, you can sign up for Cinematic Sound Radio's Patreon. Uh, support the show by going to patreon.com slash cinematic sound radio. We really do appreciate the support from all of our patrons. Up next is a suite of trailer music from Golden Age Swashbucklers, starting with music from 1944's The Adventure of Don Juan, with original music composed by Max Steiner. While this score would have been a perfect project for Eric Wolfgang Korngold, it eventually went to Steiner due to the numerous production delays. It took four years to finish the film, and uh, Korngold experienced an illness, and he eventually departed Warner Brothers. But during that time, Korngold actually wrote some sketches um, for the film. None of it was recorded. Ultimately, the, the film went to Max Steiner, and he composed a, a fantastic score, a striking score that sounds like it could have been written by Korngold. The score comprises of flourishing themes and exuberant orchestrations, and the trailer music perfectly captures all of that in its 2 minute and 37 seconds of playing time. Almost all of the themes are in this piece, and there's even a few orchestrations that are only heard in this piece, including the incredible finale. And what makes this such an impressive piece is that Steiner was able to seamlessly transition from one theme to another without it sounding chaotic or out of place. This is trailer music scoring at its absolute finest, and thanks to Tribute Film Classics' incredible recording of the score back in 2010, we get to hear this wonderful piece of music brilliantly recorded in Moscow with the Moscow Symphony Orchestra under the baton of William Stromberg. The last piece in this suite is the third longest of the trailer pieces we will play today. The first is uh, Nixon, and the second longest will end the program. This piece runs just over four minutes in length and was written for the trailer to one of the greatest swashbuckling adventure films of all time, The Seahawk. And the trailer Korngold scored has unfortunately been lost. Nobody knows where it is. In this extended trailer, Korngold gets to play around with his major themes as well as present a new theme that would not be heard in the score proper. This recording again features the Moscow Symphony Orchestra with William Stromberg conducting and was part of the complete recording of the classic score for Nexos. And now, Max Steiner's trailer music to The Adventures of Don Juan and Eric Wolfgang Korngold's trailer music from The Seahawk, all performed by the Moscow Symphony Orchestra conducted by William Stromberg.
bringing you the very best music for film, TV, and video games. This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. That was James Newton Howard's second version of the trailer music from Alive, which was recorded in a pickup session on October of 1992. Now, since he was finished the bulk of the score for the film, he was able to use not one, but two of the film's main themes in the body of the trailer. The trailer has more of a propulsive rhythmic sense to it, a sound that is found nowhere in the score itself. Well, we're up to our last suite now, and therefore we've come to the end of today's program of the flagship show here on the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast Network. So to end off today's program, we'll present two more pieces for you. We'll start with David Newman's stirring trailer music from the 1992 drama Hoffa. The trailer music starts off sounding like a typical dramatic thriller trailer piece from the time, but then moves into music that would be the centerpiece of David Newman's score, starting off lightly on delicate strings before exploding in euphoric triumph on horns with a spine-tingling rendition of the fanfare that represents Hoffa's call to arms. It's fantastic. And we will end the suite with a playing of music from James Horner's classic score to Titanic, this 4 minute and 14 second cue was written for an extended version of the trailer. Essentially, it's cut in chronological order. 
the entire story is essentially told front to back. So if you saw the trailer, you essentially got a gist of the entire movie. Now, James Horner actually scored this trailer, and while the first few minutes are used in the trailer, most of the latter half of the music you're going to hear was replaced by actual cues from the score. In this piece, Horner really wanted to highlight the Rose Jack love theme, even in the more up-tempo sections, to make sure that the audience knew that this story was about Jack and Rose and their experiences on the Titanic and its tragic fate. And with that, we have to say goodbye once more. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Eric Woods. I've been your host, and I really hope you enjoyed today's program. Again, if you feel like it, we really would appreciate a rating and review on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this show on, or feel free to leave us a comment in the comment section on our website at cinematicsound.net, or send us an email at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. And now music from Hoffa by David Newman and the extended trailer music from Titanic by James Horner. And with that, take care, stay safe, and happy listening wherever you are.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the show, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's intro music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter, at Cinematic Sound on Facebook, and from wherever you're listening to us today, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Reviews help introduce potential new listeners to the show. While you're at it, head over to TeePublic to find yourself a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt and support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>